0: God has been faithful to you. Think about a time He came through for you when you weren't sure what was going to happen. But God came through. Think about that time. Now, would you verbally thank Him for it? Say, God, thank you for coming through. Thank you for providing. Thank you for healing. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for sending a friend at the exact time I needed it. Thank you for your presence through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you, God, for being with me. Can you thank him? Thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. God, we love you. We praise you. And, God, we say thank you right now specifically for being faithful to us. God, to always provide our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. God, we say thank you for providing food and clothing and everything we need right on time. We're so grateful, God, that you have provided for us everything we need for life and for godliness. God, we thank you for that. And as we give today, Lord, it's part of our thank offering to you. God, as we give our tithes, as we give our missions offerings, as we give all of our offerings to you, Lord, would you receive them all as thank offerings today? Because, God, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful to us always and forever. In Jesus' mighty name, if you agree with that, say amen, amen. Now, before we give, we're going to have a special, as I said, guest missionary come and share with you, and uh, this couple is awesome, and I've only known Damien and Daniela just a little while, maybe what, two, three years, something like that, three years now, and it's been exciting because I've got to watch Damien. Come And he'll tell you a little bit about his story, but come out of, I guess you could call it the secular world in that sense. Come out of the workplace, out of the military, and God put a call of God on their lives. And I got the privilege because I sit on a certain committee to to uh, approve his credentials for the assemblies and to become a minister of the assemblies of God. And, and it's so exciting to do that when I see men and women of God. And I, I love watching young people, obviously. But, but it's something else when God says and puts his hand on a couple who's lived a little. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who's been out there and says, I want you. I want you for a specific purpose and a season and a time. When this couple could be out doing whatever they want right now, they're yielding to the call of God. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So, Damien, why don't you come and introduce your lovely wife, and then you can tell us all about it. Amen? Amen.
1: My own. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pastor Ricky. And thank you for endorsing me. I wouldn't be here without your approval. Thank you so much for that, which is truth, right? Truth? Say it, right? He's he's one of the guys that endorsed me when I got my credentials and also uh, has been uh, supporting me even on the season where it's been a little challenging. He gave me some encouraging words, and I thank you for that phone call, which kind of set me back in, in, in place where I needed to be in my mind. But thank you so much, Pastor Ricky and your wife, uh, Joni, and New Day Church for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to put this microphone in my handy-dandy microphone holder, made in Guatemala. This is Guatemala ingenuity. So this is how our children's pastor do uh, children's ministry in Guatemala, because you need both hands to do children's ministry. You can't really hold the microphone. You've got to be dancing and lifting your hands up. So... So my name is Damian Rosario, and this is my wife, Daniela. I just have her stand up. And as Pastor Ricky said, we're Missionary Associates to Guatemala. Uh, we'll be serving with uh, Darren and Heidi Walker, doing uh, Compassion Ministries with Childhood Guatemala. We'll be doing a one-year term. Um, and just to give you a little bit about our background, our family has over 100 years of military service. And our family hallmark has been to save and to serve people we've always been that way. And I know God used the military to prepare us for ministry. And why I say that? Because um, I was related to we were ambassadors for the United States of America, representing our country wherever we went all over the world. And, you know, Christ, now we're ambassadors for Christ, representing the Lord and doing his work wherever he sends us. So it's, been, it's a pleasure to do his work when he has called us to do. So in 2016, we retired from the Army after 26 years of uh, being in the military, and we moved to Fort Worth, Texas. We moved to Fort Worth because we have family here that lives on the north side of Fort Worth, my uh, cousin Diana and Margie. Um, and we really liked it. The times we came here and visited, we really liked Fort Worth area, so we decided to retire here. So I have a, a question for y'all. Have you ever been lost and did not know it? And I bet most of us can say yes to that. I know me, myself, I was at one point in that situation, right? I was lost, but I didn't know it myself Till somebody came alongside me and told me I was lost. So in 2018, we joined um, our church plant, Iglesia Comunidad Cristiana. Pastor Aria, who planted that church, had selected my wife and I to be the missions directors for, for the new church plant. And the first thing he wanted to do as, as a new church was... Immediately within the first year, he wanted to do a mission trip. So our first missionary that we supported was Darren, Darren and Heidi Walker. So immediately we, did, we called them and we tried to coordinate the trip with them. But you know what? What God had put in our heart was totally different. I think God was preparing us for a different work. We didn't go the traditional route of making phone calls and video conferencing and gathering logistical information over Internet and, and stuff like that. You know, God really put it on our heart that we needed to go to Guatemala in person. So, you know, and that was such a burden that we just couldn't shake it. You know, when the Lord, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you just got to do what, what God tells you to do in faith and obedience. So we did go to Guatemala to set up a mission trip. But, uh, but you know what? God had a different idea than what we had. We were there to set up a mission trip. but God had, had for us was, I got a new mission for you, and I'm about to let you know about it as soon as you get down here. So about the third day we got there, we went to, uh, on the third day, which is funny, you know, three, right? On the third day, we went to a school uh, called Patria Nueva, which is in the red light district. And we met, we didn't meet, but there's a little girl named Ali Perez. When we were there at the church office, the church and the school are co-located. And if you look at, uh, here's a picture, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. If You see down there at the bottom that's the school church right there. The top is across the street where there's like almost like a junkyard a, a what you call crash cars. They just park them right in front of the police station so that but this just to kind of get you mindful of kind of the situation they live in, so we went into the school and. We could see that the, this church and school was really the beacon of hope for this whole neighborhood. We knew that this was the place where everybody went to, you know, to, get, to feel loved and to feel uh, community and fellowship. So when we got there, we went in, into the school. We met with the principal and some of the staff. And in the church, in the church uh, slash school office, the principal and some of the staff was talking about a little girl named Ailey Perez. So just to kind of give you a little context of why they were talking about Ali. So the church and school have a listing that they put students on this list that are within 30, 60, 90 days of, of getting taken out of school for lack of funding or the school helps them for as long as they can in the church and then it's up to the parents to keep them in school. So Ali's mom is a single mother and they have uh, three children, including her in the family. She's the oldest, and she could, no, she could no longer sustain keeping her in school. But I think God had put us in the right place at the right time. You know, God doesn't waste any motion. It's always forward motion with the Lord. So we were there in the office, and we overheard this, and, and you know, immediately the Spirit came upon us, and we wanted to know more. So we asked, what about Ailey Perez? And they told us about the list. And then we asked the principal, can we meet Eileen? So we went there and uh, we met Ili. And one thing that we noticed right away was, even though this little girl was in this situation where she didn't know what tomorrow would bring, she was just so full of joy. And I just, I just looked back and I said, wow, you know, her children could teach us a thing, you know. Even in times of suffering, of, of unknown, uh, she was still full of joy and just celebrating life. And I was like, wow. God, thank you for that moment of reminding me, you know, nothing's too big for our God. There's always, uh, there's always something good that comes out of the bad, right? So we ended up sponsoring her in 2018. She's still going to school, and she just wrote us a letter about two months ago. She gave her life to the Lord, and she wants to be a pastor. And, and it was just so amazing because I was like, wow, God, you know exactly what you're doing because we want to help the children in that area, and in Guatemala, but, but the Lord has bigger plans because he was framing this up because she's going to be able to reach people that we won't be able to reach, you know, because she's from that neighborhood. So all it takes, you know, all it takes is saving one. You know, God reminded me, you know, he leaves the 99 to save one, and that really came to my mind. He's like, save one and and move on. Save another, move on, save another. And that's what kind of God put in our hearts. So we're like, that's kind of our hearts for ministry uh, in childhood. So, but the Lord, the Lord had put this word, help, help them in our mind. When we did end up sp- sponsoring her, but help them, we thought, man, help Eileen, right? Help Eileen and her parents, you know, keep them in school. But well, what helped them ended up being, when we came back from Guatemala from that missions trip, we went in and got Encounter God Weekend, and there we kind of were seeking the Lord's guidance and, and direction for our ministry and our life. And there God revealed to us that when he told us to help them, he wasn't just telling us to help Eile, He was telling us to help all the children. So he said, help them, you know, help those children that don't have food Daily nutrition is something there. Some of the students there get their, all their meals in school. They may get one good meal at home, but breakfast and lunch is, they look forward to that, to be able to have three meals a day. So that's one thing that, that the Lord put in our mind. And also with, with uh, health, you know, that's something else we have dear in our heart. My wife is a medic from the Army. She was a medic in the Army. So one of the things we want to do is establish a wellness program for children to track their uh, height, weight, and their health. You know, and that's one of the things we want to establish in the childhood school system when we get there. But I want to share a scripture, Romans ten fourteen. 14, that tells us this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And it goes back to what I was saying. You could be lost and not know it. And all we want to do is have the opportunity to share the gospel with those children and those who don't know the Lord, who've never heard the word, the word of God, who, who don't have a Bible. We have an example of a Bible on our table there. When we were giving Bibles out in Guatemala on the mission trip, some of the Bibles we gave were the first ones they ever had in their house because we asked, we wanted to know. Is this the first Bible you ever had? And they say yes. And some of them went as far as to ask for a knife to cut the plastic to use as a book cover. And I was wondering what they were doing. They cut the middle seam and used it and taped it and said, this is my book cover to protect my Bible. And I was, I was so amazed how these children were, uh, such ingenuity and how they appreciated that. They cherished that, that gift from God, the Bible you see, Ali is just one of the thousands of children in Guatemala that need our help. So there's three ways you can help us. One is obviously by praying. We need your prayers. Prayers sustain us in the field, and they carry us to, to breakthroughs. You know, without the prayer, we can, we can have these breakthroughs we have in the missions field. Another way is by giving. You know, we look if we uh, need monthly partners um, as well as one-time giving. Um, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and those we have those that may want to go, we have an internship program it's called Project One it 's for high school students just graduating or those just entering college about that age group, and that it 's uh, anywhere from thirty sixty ninety all the way up to one year internship in Guatemala, where you get to um, spend up to a year in the missions field and pray about a lifetime to see if that 's what God has called you to do. So um, that's something we love to see if your calling give you the opportunity to spend that time in the missions field to see if this is your long-term calling from the Lord. So um, we have a table in the rear. Um, we have some prayer cards and some other things we like to share with you. we love to connect with you some more after the service and answer your questions or anything else we you may have in mind, and thank you so much, and God bless you all. Have a great day.
0: Hey Amen. Damien, can you come? Can you come, Daniel? One of the things that we do here at New Day Church is, is we like to pray for our missionaries. Amen? So if everyone would stand right now, if I could get several people to come and surround this precious couple, and then they're going to head out with the kids after that and present to them for a few minutes. How many of you know, Nathan, I'm going to have you lead this prayer? Because stepping out on the mission field for the first time, whether it's a year or whether it's for the rest of your life, it's very daunting. And I want us to stretch out our hands and pray for this couple as they head out into this new mission field.
2: Lord, we thank you for this precious couple, and I pray that you will just put your your angels of security and peace around them. God, I pray that as they go, Lord, their hearts will be full of peace, that this is the right thing that you've called them to do. God, I pray that every church they walk into to itinerate will, will welcome them with open arms and they will raise their money faster than they could have ever hoped or imagined. And I pray that they will be on the mission field in your timing, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that you're placing them at the right place, at the right time, with the right missionaries, Lord, with the right kids, in the right community. And I pray that they their ministry will be effective, Lord, that they won't just be helping their, their bodies, but they'll also be helping their spirits. And, God, I pray that that in this, Lord, you, you will grow them. Lord, you will grow this precious couple and their kids, and, and that as they go along, Lord, that you will just, just shape them and form them into mighty ministers of your word, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing, and I pray that you would just help them every step of the way from itineration to, to first contact to culture shock to, to leaving. God, I pray that you would be with them every single step of the way. And, Lord, show them, show them what your plan is from here on out. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for this wonderful couple one more time. Damien, where are you originally from? Brooklyn, New York. You know, God can use northerners. Is that not true? Every once in a while, a northerner comes along, and God says, sure, I'll use you. (laughs) No, I love you guys. God bless you. Kids, you can get up, and you can follow Pastor Nathan and the missionaries out to Kidstown. Going to have an awesome, (laughs) awesome time. Woo. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Paxton, did you get that uh, higher quality one? Were you able to do that? Okay, cool. So if you can get that ready, I'd appreciate it. Just let me know when you're ready. We have uh, another missionary that we're going to be hearing from in just a moment as soon as they let me know. Uh, Joe sent in a video report. And uh, so I think that we've got that right now. But before we go to that, real quick is uh, how you can give to Damien and Daniela today is you can give through the online for the guest missionary or guest uh, with us, or you can obviously give in the box in the back and just mark it missionary, uh, and we will make sure that it gets to the Rosarios to get them onto the field. We really appreciate that. Now, let's hear a report from our own evangelist, Joe Franklin.
3: Hey, New Day. Hope everybody's doing good. Miss you guys so much. Love you lots. It's been an amazing two weeks here in Tanzania, and for the initiation trip, I have one more week to go on the gospel trucks. I've spent one week in schools, and in that one week, I've seen 30,000 kids come come to know Jesus. I've talked to over 30,000 kids. It's been absolutely crazy. Muslims, Catholics, Lutherans, you name it, they're hearing the gospel, and they're giving their life to Jesus. And I have an opportunity now to stay until November 24th, an extra seven weeks, and do more schools. I don't know about you, but seven times 30 is 21. That's potentially 210,000 kids to hear the gospel in the next seven weeks. My personal goal is 100,000 salvations in the next seven weeks. And I can only do that by raising about $5,000 to do that. So I'm asking you, would you, number one, pray for me. Pray that God would supply the need and that the harvest would come in. Number two, would you consider partnering with me in a generous way to see this mighty harvest. Thank you so much. Love you lots. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Amen. 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 Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. The team, the whole team that has been there the last two weeks have seen 115,000 people come to Christ in two weeks. Can somebody give praise and glory to God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus incredible. Would you just stretch out your hand? Well, I was going to say to the TV, but you just stretch out your hand to the Lord right now and let's pray for Joe. God, we thank you and praise you for this incredible report. And we thank you for what you're continuing to do through not just Joe, but through all the evangelists there throughout Tanzania. God, we pray that you would continue to bring in the harvest. The harvest is white in Tanzania and it's ready to come in. We just pray, Lord, that it would continue to flow in. and God, we thank you for the churches that have partnered with these ministries and that are following up on all of these. God, we pray for those pastors and those gospel workers in those local churches that you would continue to strengthen them and help them as they reach out and continue to bring in the harvest. God, we pray for these next few weeks, Lord that you would supply the complete need for Joe to be able to stay and to be able to do the work of the ministry and continue in this harvest time. God, we thank you for protecting him physically, spiritually, emotionally, God, God, and giving him the strength that he needs for the work at hand. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said Amen. Amen. Would you continue to pray? And this is really go time this week for Joseph because he's got to change his ticket and uh, do a lot of that as well as now moving out of schools for this next week and onto the gospel trucks. So with the gospel trucks, they basically pull up in a van or in a large truck. They put the sides down. They set up the equipment in a, in a village, and they begin to minister and preach, and they see incredible healings. I know by next week we're going to hear of testimonies of seeing amazing healings and things going on, so we would love for you to do that. If you'd like to be a part of Keeping Joe in Tanzania, then you can go to our website, and you'll see there in the drop-down Walking with Jesus Ministries International, Walking with Jesus International. That's Joe's ministry, and you can give directly through that uh, port, and it will keep him on the field. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you t- open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 24? And if you would stand when you find it. Matthew 24, if you'd stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to start in verse 36. Jesus says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch out and would not have left his house or would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time, and then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word. These are the words that Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples, and it was recorded for our good and for us to take heed and to take note of. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and speak through your servant today Because I know that my words are of none effect. I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and to speak to us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your word go out and change us from the inside out, God. Would you come, Holy Spirit? We invite you to come and to speak to us today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you today a message titled, Found Faithful. Found Faithful. You see here in Jesus' own words speaking about the end of all things. When you begin to read the New Testament, and you read it with this in mind, how many references can I find about the end times? about the future, about things that are to come, you'll truly be amazed in your reading, won't you? It's not just in Jesus' words. It's not just in the the Gospels. The second coming, the rapture of the church, the end times are spoken of throughout almost every New Testament book. It was something that the disciples lived with, knowing that the master could show up at any moment. And today I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about how that we should be expectant of Jesus return at any time. I understand When pastors and prophets and and teachers get up and say, well, this has got to be fulfilled and this has got to be fulfilled and this has got to be fulfilled when Jesus before Jesus comes. But I am here to tell you out of Jesus's own words, there is nothing holding back Jesus from showing up whenever the father sends him. You cannot read the passage I just read and think, well, you know, there's got to be this has got to happen first and this. No. Nothing. Jesus could have chosen, excuse me, the father could have chosen to say to his son, it's time in 90 A.D. He could have. He could have said in 1127 A.D., okay, it's time, let's go. I know some of you may be shocked by that statement, but you cannot read what we just read and believe anything different. Jesus can come at any moment, at any time, morning, noon, or middle of the night. How many of you know it's day somewhere? It's always day somewhere, and it's always night somewhere. And Jesus can come at any moment. I want to make that expressly heard. Don't tell me, oh, we've got another hundred years, Pastor, because this hasn't happened. Don't tell me that because I don't believe it. Don't tell me, oh, well, you know what? This, this obscure prophecy has not been completely fulfilled. Can, can I tell you the favorite among believers is, is Matthew 24 where it says, and then the gospel shall be preached to all nations and then the end will come. How many of you have ever heard of that passage? It's a true passage. It's just true scripture. It's true. But can I tell you? If you say that Jesus can't come until every nation has heard, then you're misunderstanding the times we live in. Because the gospel will be preached to every nation before the end comes. Jesus can come at any moment and rapture his church. The end has not come yet. The Antichrist will show up before the end. The gospel will be preached by two witnesses to every person on the planet during the tribulation. Then the end will come. So there's nothing holding back the rapture. Let me say it clearer. There's nothing holding back the rapture except the father and his saying go. He's saying go. Jesus, go get your bride. I'm done. I'm ready. And I'm amazed, especially today, at the people that are coming out and saying, well, we shouldn't be looking for the coming of the Lord. We should be out in the harvest field. I say you can do both. Hello? I say you can be preaching the gospel and bringing in the harvest and looking and longing for his return at the same exact time. I think you can do both. No problem. Amen. That's good, Pastor. That's really good preaching. I Man, that's good. That's good. Thank you for bringing the word. I, yes, you're welcome. I learned that tactic from that man right there. <laughs> If you, if you, if you got to encourage yourself in the Lord, then you can encourage yourself in the preaching. Amen. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about this. In the, in the New Living Translation, in this passage, it says it this way, a faithful, a faithful, sensible servant. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. The question is not, when is Jesus going to come? Because we don't know. He said it at the beginning of the passage. But it's what do we do until he comes? And the answer is to be found faithful when he comes. Look at your neighbor and say, found faithful. Look at your other neighbor and say, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful when he comes. I want to be found faithful When he comes, I don't want to be a wicked servant. I want to be a faithful servant. So what does the word faithful mean? The word faithful, the Greek is pistos, and it comes from the base word of faith. And it means this trustworthy pertaining to being reliable, pertaining to. To being reliable. The, the word sensible out of the NLT is the word phronimos, phronimos and it means wise, having the capacity to understand often in the daily things of life, hence shrewd. Matthew seven twenty four uses the word shrewd and wise in spiritual matters. So when the Lord comes back, what is he looking for? He's looking for those who are trustworthy, who are reliable, who have the capacity to understand the things of God and are growing wise in spiritual matters. That's what God is looking for. How many of you know there's a lot of wisdom being thrown around today? You can be wise in a lot of things. You can be wise in a lot of things and still be clueless about the Lord. There's many wise people around the world making many millions of dollars off of their wisdom. But how many of you know at some point worldly wisdom falls short? I believe, though. That the that the servant of the Lord can become wise in the things of the world while being wise in the things of the spirit. That's what it says here. He says, I'm looking for people and he uses the example. It's not quite a parable, but but he's using the example of a master and his servants and how he leaves one of the servants in charge of the other servants. Think about this in the life of Joseph. Joseph is a beautiful example of what a wise and sensible and faithful servant would be. Even though he was in captivity, even though he was considered a slave, every time he got put in a position, he would elevate in that position. You know, I believe today that we need some wise politicians. Anybody with me on that? We need some spiritual wisdom in those places, and we need to continue to pray. Yesterday, many of you may have heard two different major ministries, Billy Graham uh, Association as well as uh, Jonathan Kahn's Association planned a rally in Washington, D.C. on the same day, not knowing that the other was going to do it. Now, obviously, because these ministries are so massive, it quickly became evident of what they were doing. And so they decided together instead of waiting for both of them, for both ministries to come together and for the Billy Graham Association to do the ministry of the walk, the prayer walk, and then the stand to continue in prayer and intercession on the mall. The reports are coming in that over 50,000 people showed up to worship and to pray. How many of you know God will hear the prayers of the righteous? And I believe that even today, God is beginning to rise up righteous people in our government. And I think it can continue. We need righteous and sensible and wise people throughout every one of the seven influences. Some have called it the seven mountains of influence. That's what we pray for on the National Day of Prayer every year. And I can tell you that there needs to be wise, sensible, faithful people in education. Come on, don't shout me down right now. We need wise, sensible, faithful people in education. We need wise, faithful, sensible people in law enforcement. We need wise, faithful, sensible people in Every area of life. I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible does not say that he's returning for only preacher servants. The Bible does not say that he's only returning for pastoral servants. He does not say he's returning and he wants to find only those in the clergy. He says, I'm looking for faithful servants. What did Damien just tell us? In his family, a hundred years, a hundred years in the military, in his family. And God is using him, not as a preacher, not as a pastor, not as a teacher. He's using him as a military man to go in and strategically minister to children in Guatemala. Don't you love God? God knows exactly what he's doing. And he begins to bring us. That's what I'm trying to say today. If you hear anything else, hear this basic message that God is looking for faithful and wise servants. And you can be that. You can be that. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 says this. The Lord continued. Do you hear what the ungodly judge said that he would answer? her persistent request. I I didn't want to read the whole story. I just want to remind you that this is the parable of the persistent widow who comes to the unjust judge asking for justice, asking for mercy. And she's there day after day after day. And, And Jesus says, don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit on them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was the judge. Yet when the son of man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? Some of the versions will say, will he he find this kind of faith? But the root word is the same as what we talked about. It means faith or faithfulness. It means trustworthiness. Again, Jesus asks. He looks at the crowd and says, will I find faithfulness when I come back? Will I I find this kind of faith, this kind of persistent faith that presses through and says, God, we're not just looking for ourselves. We're looking for justice for those who have suffered. We're looking, God, for those that that have, have called out to you. We're looking, God, for the children and the next generation. Oh, God, will you come? Will you come and send revival? Not so that we can have good meetings, but so that the lost can be found. God, will you come? Will you come and will you rescue my children, my grandchildren, my nieces and my nephews? Will you come? Will you come and show yourself powerful once again? Dad and I were talking the other day about how that in the 40s and 50s, how there seemed to be this wave of healing evangelists throughout America. And there was this time in America that, that there, were, there was an expectancy that you could go and you could set up a tent in a town. And people would begin to come. And they would put it out on the radio and they would, they would hand out flyers and people would come not to hear a great musician, not to hear a great band, but to come and hear the gospel, but to also see blind eyes open, deaf ears open, lame men walking, wheelchairs being thrown to the side. I've seen pictures of, of some of this where, where in some of the different, uh, depending on the evangelists at the time, but some of them would actually not just bring the tent, but then they would bring all of the crutches that had been thrown to the side because they were not needed anymore, and they would post them on the back of the tent. They would bring all of the wheelchairs that were not needed anymore, and they would put them on the stage. Wow. And he said, where is that today? I said, I'll tell you where it is. You just saw a report of it. Because Joseph is calling and he's texting, he's telling his stories of blind eyes being opened, of people walking, of things happening. I mean, can I, can I just talk for a minute about the 115,000 coming to Christ in the last two weeks? Can we just be honest with one another? And if you're watching this, be honest with yourself. And doesn't that kind of blow your mind to overload? Joseph told me this story of how that not too long ago, when Daniel Kalinda was doing one of these types of crusades and pre-crusades, and they were talking about hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ. And he got a missionary that, that wrote him a letter to the ministry Said so I've been a missionary in this certain country for thirty years, and for thirty years we labored and we saw many things, but but nothing like that. You've got to stop lying to people and just getting money from people by posting these big numbers. Anybody ever have those kind of doubts, thoughts? Let's be honest. If you can't be honest in church, where can you be honest, right? And so he said that Daniel talked to his team and his his ministry team and said, I want you, out of respect for this missionary, I want you to get all of the prayer cards, all of the decision cards, all of the pastors, all of the churches that since that crusade have grown and have quadrupled, and I want you to gather those stories for me. So they did that. They gathered all those stories, and then he put them in a file, And he said to the missionary, we appreciate all of the time that you have had in this country. We thank you for the seeds that you have sown and been faithful over the years. Now, here is part of the harvest that is happening because of what you have done. And he respectfully sent it back to him. And the missionary went and he saw the stack of commitment cards and the churches that were overflowing and the things that were happening and he sent back a message to Daniel Clinton and said, I repent. I'm so sorry. Can I tell you as Americans, we, we tend to go to skepticism first. But I'm telling you, the harvest is coming in. Lives are being changed. Miracles are happening. I love it. But can I tell you, it's time for it to happen in America. Whew. It's time for it to happen at New Day Church. It's time for it to happen in DFW. God is saying, will I find people with persistent faithfulness? Second Peter three ten through 14 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Isn't it? I mean, I've always found this passage in Peter so interesting. Peter just talks about the utter destruction of the earth that will come by fire. Not by a flood, but by fire. It's coming. It's going to be destroyed completely. Everything we know, everything we see, all buildings, all of it will be completely destroyed and burned with fire one day. And then he says, so what kind of people should you be (laughs) knowing that this is coming, knowing that the end will come? It has not come yet, but it's coming. How should we live? And then he says this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace. Can somebody say amen? amen? I heard this story, and I had to read it to you. I was going to try and retell it, but it, it's just such an incredible story. It's, it's by Jimmy Evans, and he wrote this and said, On May nineteenth, 1780, a strange event occurred in the northeastern United States. Historians refer to this incident as the dark day. On that morning, the sky became so dark that it appeared as though day had become night. How many of have ever heard of this? No? Listen to this. Birds went back to their nest, and farm animals reacted in terror. Gathering with his troops in south New Jersey, General George Washington wrote about the event in his diary. Northward in Connecticut, All commerce and work ceased as panic grew among the citizens. The people speculated about the cause. Was it an eclipse or something else? Some of the Puritan Christians began to think they may be experiencing the judgment of God. A few wondered if this might be the first sign of the second coming of Christ. Meanwhile, the Connecticut legislature was in session, and the delegates became equally uneasy. Some of the members were terrified, thinking the day of judgment was upon them. Finally, one legislature stood and made the motion to adjourn so they could all return to their houses and prepare for the end of the world. Can you imagine this in Washington, D.C.? Maybe, maybe something like this needs to happen right now. But anyway, at this point, Abraham Davenport, a 65-year-old Stanford legislature, spoke against the motion. And he said, I quote, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no case for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, that candles may be brought. <laughs> At Davensport's urging, candles were brought into the chamber and the meeting continued. The people's admiration for him as a leader with courage and resolve grew after this event. John Greenleaf Whittier later penned a poem in Davenport's honor. Shortly thereafter this event, the day of darkness, Davenport served as the chief justice for the court of common pleas in Danbury, Connecticut. As God's providence would have it, he died of a heart attack while presiding Over a court case. He met the Lord while doing his duty. As it turns out, the dark day wasn't a sign from God at all. Rather, it was the smoke from forest fires in Canada, wafting southward into New England. Wow. What's the message I'm trying to get across to you today? What is the message I hear the Lord saying? This is part of it. What do we do knowing the time is coming? What do we do knowing that the Lord could come back at any moment? We need to plan as if Jesus isn't coming for 100 years, but we need to live as if he's coming today. Did you hear me? We need to plan out life, plan out outreaches, plan out your retirement, plan out whatever you need to plan out as if Jesus isn't coming for a 100 years. But we need to live every day as if we think he's coming today. We can live life in this balance. How? John fifteen four and 5, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. There are some things in life and in the garden that grow quickly. But you don't grow an oak quickly, do you? And some might judge the oak because it's not growing at the speed of the grape. But can I tell you, God has apportioned each one fruit. Amen? And have you tried to build a table out of grapes lately? Have you tried to erect a house out of grapes? No. But the mighty oak will stand. The mighty oak will stand even after it's chopped down for centuries. What is is the point? Remain faithful. Remain faithful. And God will produce fruitfulness in you. And it's easy for us to look at somebody else's life. It's easy for us to look at somebody else and say, ah, but look, their fruit, I mean, they're, they're just busting out all over the place with their fruit. Look at what they're doing in their life and look at what they're doing in their work or look at what they're doing in their family. And God has said and turned it back on us, are you being faithful where I've planted you? Are you being faithful With what I'm doing in you. Are you being wise in what I'm doing with you? Because all of us want to hear this one thing when we come to the time when we face Jesus. His master replied, well done. Thou good and what church? Faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge Of many things come and share your master's happiness. I have long believed that in heaven, some of the people who are going to be in charge of the most, we never heard their name on earth. Why? Because they were faithful to do what God had called them to do. And he said, look what you did, little one. Look what you did on the earth. You were faithful in intercession. Whenever. I called you to pray. You did it. So guess what? I'm going to put you in charge of this part of the new heavens. And you're going to administrate over here. Come on. It's not about looking at others and saying, look at them, look at no, it's about God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What is it that you have called me to be faithful in? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If you're joining us online, would you just, would you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit. Come on out loud. Say, Holy Spirit, am I being faithful in the areas you've called me to? Now say, Holy Spirit, make me fruitful in the areas you've called me to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some hearts right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some hearts right now. There's some some parents right now that are struggling, and God is saying, continue. Continue. Be faithful, be faithful as you pour into those little ones. God's speaking to some people right now and saying, be faithful, be faithful in the workplace that I've called you to. There are people there that need the message of the gospel that will never turn on. They're, they're Facebook or never turn on TV to a, to a preacher, but they're, they're listening to you. They're watching you. Be faithful in the place that I've called you to. Be faithful. Be wise. And when I'm ready to move you to a new place, I will speak to you. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking even to this nation right now. And saying to the faithful in the church, I'm about to do something new that if I were to tell you, you wouldn't even believe it. I believe that God is about to open up stadiums and people are going to be filling stadiums, not just to worship, although that's amazing, but to come and hear the gospel. Because people have been faithful to pray over the years. People have been faithful to plant the seeds over the years. Hallelujah. 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 What has God called you to be faithful in? Then let's begin to see fruitfulness in that faithfulness. God, we bring ourselves before you. We lay ourselves at your feet. God, come. God, come. God, we lay ourselves at your feet. God, come. Speak to us. Speak through us, Lord. We want to be found faithful. Jesus. 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 God, when you come, we want to hear those words, well done, our good and faithful servant. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you that you're faithful always. Always faithful, always true. Hallelujah. And we talk about being created in the image of God. And many people think that that must mean God has a two eyes and a nose and a mouth, and ears. Not sure about that. But I am sure about this, that God's character is, Is what he wants to produce in us. It's just like my children. Whether my children look like me or not is not important. I pray that they not. (laughs) What do I want them to do? Any good parent knows that it's not about what your kid looks like that's important, it's what's on the inside, it's the character. It's the character that we want. And I've got to be honest with you. There are things in, in my life that I don't want to see repeated in my kids' lives. And I cringe when I see it. I cry out to God and say, God, help my kids. And help me to live a life before them that they want to emulate. How much more does our Heavenly Father want us to look like him. He says, he even goes so far as to say, be holy even as I am holy. You can't do that without him living in you. His DNA has got to be in you. Our God is faithful, has always been faithful, will always be faithful. He's never failed us once and he won't ever start. And he can produce the faithfulness in us that we desire to give back to him. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.